0: Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart.
1: Let's go to Lord Prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful, Lord, that we can be in your house today, Lord, and worship you. matter what's going on in our lives no matter what's going on in the world we know Lord that there's a haven in you a place of rest Lord as we open your word may we discover new truths God and things that Lord will affect our lives moving forward and we will thank you for it in your name amen we all have watched the Olympics and Of course, last year it was canceled because of the virus and it's been moved to this year. And Tokyo will be hosting the Olympics this year. Now, when the Olympics comes to town, it's a huge event. The world is watching. No other sporting event even comes close to the amount of people that watch the Olympic Games. And when it comes to a city, it's a great honor. In fact, most cities, Tokyo is spending over $15 billion dollars to host the Olympics, building these great arenas and the Olympic Village and all of these things. And what they found is that when the Olympics comes to town, that years later, the events, all of the great things that they built, many of them start to go into decay. Many of these great arenas that they build are are not even really used years down the road. And you can see these old Olympic Villages, and they're deserted And they're falling apart. As great of an event as the Olympics is, it doesn't have a lasting impact on the city that it comes to. Contrast that with with Jesus, who came into this world 2,000 years ago, and he never left. He's still here. The impact that he had is so great that it changed the world as we know it. That all across the world today, in any continent, in any country, in any city, there are people meeting to worship his name, the name of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to town, the town was never the same. In Mark chapter 2, we see a story of when Jesus not only came to a town, but he came to a house, and he came to a person, and that person was never the same. He changed their lives. In Mark 2, the first couple of verses, it says, and again, he, Christ, entered Capernaum, Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. So Jesus had been traveling. He had been traveling. He had been preaching. He had been healing people. He was getting the word out. I want to tell you something about the word of, of God. It's not a passive thing that we do. We have to be active in getting the word out, as Christ was. We have to be intentional at getting the word out. With the people around us, the people that we talk to, the people that we meet, we have to be intentional. We have to be active in their lives in order to get the word of Christ out. It takes some work to do it, and that's what Jesus is showing us here. He's going from town to town and he's preaching the word. And he comes to the city and he enters. This house. And people immediately know that Jesus is here. You can hear it all around the city. People are saying, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And they they go to this house and they fill the house. In fact, they not only fill the house, but there's so many people that they can't get them all in. I'm sure there were people looking in the windows. There were people outside trying to squeeze their way in. Because they wanted to see and hear what Jesus had to say. Never had the world seen anything like this. They hadn't seen anybody like this. The knowledge that he spoke, the miracles that he did, nobody had ever seen anything like this. People wanted to see what was going on. In fact, the Bible tells us that there's around 40 recorded miracles that Jesus was a part of in the Bible. In John twenty one twenty five, it says, and there were also many other things that Jesus did, which... If they were written one by one, I suppose that not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Jesus had done so many great things in this earth. And he affected so many people's lives that people wanted to be a part. People wanted to see him. You know, some people in life, they they talk a great game. But with Jesus, we see the evidence of what he did. Not only the evidence of what he did, but what was predicted Of him. When you we go back to Isaiah 35, it tells us about this Messiah that would come sometime in the future. It says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. See, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of being the Messiah. That's why people wanted to see him. Because Jesus is the Messiah. He came to this world. He did so many great things. And here he is in this little house with all of these people surrounding, waiting on what was Jesus going to do. Why is Jesus relevant today? He's relevant today because of what he did when he came to this world. The miracles, the words he spoke, the impact that he had. In verse 3, we see... Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. So we see that something's happening here. There's a paralyzed man that four friends are bringing to Jesus. And so they're bringing him to Jesus. And when they came and saw the crowd, they had to come up with a plan. How in the world are we going to get him in this house? I mean, the house is filled with people. There's people on the outside. we got to get this man to Jesus. Now, I like to use my imagination when I, when I think about uh, the Bible and when I think about the stories of it. And I'm thinking, okay, what would I have done if I was in that situation? Better yet, what would the four pastors here at City Church done? Now, i got a pretty good idea of our personalities. I've known these guys forever. And I think what would happen is if it was the four of us that were bringing this paralyzed man and we had to get him to Jesus, but we had a problem because we couldn't get in the house because there's so many people. I think I know what we would do. The first thing that Pastor Dallas would do, he would begin to pray immediately. I know that. Pastor Ben, Pastor Ben is such a caring person. He would make sure that the man was okay, that everything was fine, that everybody in the crowd, that nobody was going to get hurt, that everybody was, was good. Me being the planner, I would be the guy trying to figure out how in the world are we going to get him up on the roof? We got ropes, we got, what do we got? We can get some stuff over here. And as this is all going on, Pastor Ernie would be on the roof, ripping the roof off, going, Come on, guys, would you get him up here? Get him down here. That's probably what would happen. But you can, you can almost see these four guys trying to figure out how are we going to get him in the house. And so they come up with this plan. If we get him on the roof, we can rip the roof off and we can lower him down right in front of Jesus. Now, many believe this house was the house of Simon Peter, the disciple of Christ. Now, Peter, of course, was not a real passive individual. Peter was a pretty bold guy, wasn't he? He could have been a little bit of a hothead at times. And I can imagine Peter being sitting in his house and all of a sudden seeing his roof being ripped off. Imagine if you're in a house and here, the roof's being ripped off. And Peter, I I would imagine at first Peter wasn't too happy that his roof's being ripped off. But then he sees what's happening. That here they're lowering this man. They had to get him to Jesus some way. And they're lowering him to Jesus. And I think at that time Peter would have changed his tune. Because you see what... What's a roof? What's a roof compared to the spiritual thing that's going on here? What's the material things in life matter? What does a roof matter? What does anything matter materially when all of eternity is at play? What's the material matter when the spiritual is what we have to focus on? And so they rip this roof off and they begin to lower this paralyzed man from the roof for Jesus to heal. The only thing they could do was to bring him to Jesus. There was nothing else they could do. Think about that. The doctors couldn't heal him. Nobody in the town could do anything for this man. All they could do was to bring him to Jesus. Nobody could fix his body and his soul but Christ. You know, that's so true today. Nobody, nobody in this world, no matter what we do, nothing can fix our soul. Nothing can fix our eternity but through Jesus Christ. Still holds true today. Boy, wouldn't you love to have friends like these, these four guys that were so encouraging that they didn't see the crowd and say, well, sorry, we tried, but we, we can't get through. We can't get you to Jesus. I'm sorry. No, they saw the crowd and they said, we're getting you there. You know, these were true friends. Friends you know, true friends are hard to come by in life. True friends are those people that run to you when everybody else is running away from you. And you only find out in adversity who your true friends are, the ones that will run to you. And these four men, they ran to their friend. They were true friends in life. And they got him to Jesus. In verse 5, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins... Are forgiven you. And some of the scribes, some of the religious leaders were there, and they were sitting there and they were reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoning thus within themselves. He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to a paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house, immediately, there's that word again, immediately he rose, took up the bed and went out of the presence of them. So they all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this before. Jesus heals the man because of his faith. Jesus forgives his sins because of his faith that he had in him. The faith he had in Jesus Christ. Now, the religious leaders were always throwing cold water on the fire, weren't they? I mean, here they were. They see this amazing miracle. This guy, they've known this guy. He's, here he is. He's, he's been paralyzed. And now he's running out of the house. And what's the first thing they start thinking? Well, this guy does not have the right to forgive people's sins. They immediately discount what Christ is doing. Because why? They want the glory. They were very jealous people because they saw the crowds that Jesus were, was gathering. They saw the knowledge that he spoke. But they're the ones that wanted that. They were so filled with pride. They wanted all the attention. And here's somebody else is getting the attention. So they decided that they were going to throw cold water on the fire. You know, recently I had a couple come to me. And they said, you know, we... We need some advice. They said, we recently joined this club, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a Christian-affiliated club. It was just a, uh, a club of people with uh, like interest, nothing wrong with it, and they joined this club, and there was a number of members in the club, and they had another man that they knew in the club, and he was a Christian, and he came to them, and he says, I'm not going to be a part of this club anymore, and I don't think you should be, and they looked at him, and they said, well, why not? They said, because there's somebody in this club that is living a lifestyle that I do not agree with, and I don't want to be around them. And I believe as a Christian, we shouldn't be around them. So I'm going to quit. And they said, what what in the world do you think about that? And, you know, I thought about it for a minute, and I thought, what if people had ran away from you and I when we didn't know Christ? What about you, you live in a life that you shouldn't, you didn't know Christ, and and every Christian runs away from you. How would that work out? What did Jesus do? Jesus ran to people like that. Jesus ran to them. See, he was a friend of sinners. Jesus didn't condemn sinners like the religious leaders, but Jesus ran to them. He reached out his hand. He wanted to be their friend. He wanted to help them. You can't win people to Christ if you're trying to get away from them all the time. you got to have a part in their life. And you may not agree with what they're doing. But that doesn't mean that you run away from them. That means that you stay there and you show them the love of God and you show them what Jesus Christ is all about. Because he can change their lives. We don't change somebody's lives by walking up to them and telling them, "You're You're just a worthless sinner and you need to repent. I mean, how does that work out? It doesn't. You win people to Christ by being that example, by showing them the love of God. That's how we connect. That's how we win people to Jesus Christ. So you don't run away from the people just because you disagree with them. Boy, we should run to them as an opportunity to testify for Jesus Christ. You know, if Christ only saved the perfect, nobody would be in heaven. And from what I've read in the Bible, heaven's a pretty big place. (laughs) So, So thank God. That the perfect aren't the only ones to be in heaven. There had to be a a reason for Christ's sacrifice, and that reason was us. You see, the Pharisees would condemn instead of love, but we're instructed to love the lost at any cost, even if we don't agree with them. We need to get people to Jesus. You can't always drag people to Jesus. You can't hit them over the head with a Bible. But you point them to Jesus. You point them to Jesus. Jesus. We point people to Jesus through our life and our example. I remember years ago, and I think it was in the Bahamas, that there was a tree there, and they had on this tree, they had probably 15 different arrows, and they were pointing different directions. And the one said New York City, and it was 2,000 miles where it was pointing this way. The other one said London, and it was 6,000 miles, so it was pointing this way. Another said Sydney, and it was pointing this way. And you know, if those signs are accurate, and I followed that sign to New York, and I went the exact direction that it was pointing to me, I would end up in New York City. Same is true in our lives. If you and I are an example of Jesus Christ, then we are pointing people every day to Christ through our lives, through our example. We're pointing them. And if they follow that direction, they'll meet the Savior. But if our lives are not an example of Christ, then we're pointing people away from Christ. And if we follow that path, we'll lead them far, far away from Christ. Where's your life pointing people today? Where's your example pointing people? Are you pointing people to Jesus Christ or are you pointing people away from Christ? We as believers, our job in this world is to point people to Christ, to be that beacon of light, to be that giant road sign that points people to the Savior and points people to life because you know what? We've got to get people to Jesus because time is running out. We have to get people to Jesus because he's the only one that can heal them and forgive them their sins. When Jesus comes to town, entire towns can change. There's a region in uh, northeastern India, and it's called Nagaland, the Naga people. And it's a pretty good-sized state. And they've enjoyed some independence from India. They're really a group of of tribes. Many, 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 many tribes live there. And a certain number of the tribes were actually headhunters. And I don't need to go into detail there. They would fight amongst the other tribes. And they took great pride in this. They were pagan. They had no religion at all. And one day a missionary came to one of these villages, and the village accepted Christ. When I say the village accepted Christ, everybody came to Christ in that village. And today, and probably on this day, they're meeting in a church worshiping Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came to town. Their town was changed. And the one guy, as he was interviewed, he, he made the statement, which I thought was just such a statement. He says, we don't do those bad things anymore because Jesus came into our lives. What a powerful statement to make. We don't do those bad things anymore because Jesus came into our lives, because Jesus came into our town. You can change someone's future by simply pointing them. To Jesus. See, when Jesus comes to town, the town can change. When Jesus comes to a home, a home can be transformed. When Jesus comes to a nation, a nation can change through the love of Christ. It doesn't change through violence. When Jesus came to this world, many people believed that he was going to be the conquering general, that he was going to be the one that was going to lead them and lead an army against Rome, was going to gain freedom and independence from Rome, but that wasn't the case. Jesus told him, I'm not coming here to fight anybody. I'm coming here out of love. Jesus Christ won the victory, not through violence, but through love. Through love that he had, the love that he showed. You know, sometimes, sometimes in our lives, the only thing that we can do is bring people to Jesus maybe you're going through a time in your life and you just don't know what to do maybe it's an illness maybe it's financial whatever it is we need to bring people to Jesus I remember a story a number of years ago my wife as many of you know has a rare form of leukemia and has a lot of struggles with that and a year after we were married, it was right over Christmas. And uh, she had gotten a severe stomach flu, the Norwalk virus, one of those. And it was so bad that she ended up in the hospital. She was in there for a couple of weeks. She was in ICU for over a week. And it came to a point where her blood counts normally should be 12. <laughs> Hers is a little less. But it went under three. Her Kidneys shut down. And I'll never forget, I went into the room and her doctor, Dr. Sandra Hazra, who's an angel, a lady that we love to love. She was telling me what was going on. And she said, she said, it's bad, Brent. And I said to her, I said, Dr. Hazra, is she going to make it? She said, I don't know. And I... Uh, I never forget, I went in, there was a bathroom right by the room. And I went in there and I just collapsed. This is helpless. Because there was nothing that I could do to help her. Oh, I wanted to, I'd have done anything. There was nothing I could do to help her. The only thing that I could do was to bring her to Jesus. And I cried out, man, I cried out to God. And I ask Jesus, I said, I can't do this. I'm helpless, Lord. I tell you, you want to be humbled? That's a way to be humbled. I I can do nothing, God. I put her in your hands, and Lord, I just trust her with you. That's all I can do. All I can do is to bring her to Jesus because there's nothing else that I can do. And I let it go. And you know, sometimes in our lives, things like that, They work out the way that we want it, and and, and praise God it did. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way we want it, but we know that one day it's going to work out for all of us. Amen. One day when we enter glory and we see it all, we'll have a different perspective of what it was like. That thank God we came to Christ. That thank God we brought others to him. But there are times in our lives the only thing we can do is to go to Jesus. If you're going through a tough time today, I, I encourage you. I know you feel helpless. I know you feel like you can't do it. But I just want to tell you that there's somebody that can. There's somebody that's behind us all the way. Somebody that loves us. Through all the trials, through all the tribulations, he will always hold our hand. God truly is there for us, and God truly loves us. So we see that the healed man, I think he just sprinted out of that house. I think he was running down the street. And you can imagine what people were thinking. Here's a man that not only was healed, but Christ had forgiven him of sins. And he's running down the street. And you can imagine people seeing him going, is that? What? Imagine the miracle that took place that day. To see this man when Jesus came into his life and changed his life. Oh, when Jesus... Comes into a home, an entire household can be changed. Uh, Last week I had the funeral services for a lady's father, and I'd known her for many years from from the temple. She grew up there as well as I did. And she told me the story. She says, You know, when I was just a kid, none of my family, none of them went to church. She said, Somebody invited me to ride the bus to church. Now, back at that time, the temple had one of the largest bus ministries in the world. My father was the pastor that was over that. And so many of you, I I see people out here today that that drove drove a bus. And I know there's several of them that I saw. And she said, somebody invited me to ride the bus one day. And so I, I started coming to church. And I came for many weeks, and I got saved. And I went home, and she said, my family thought that I was becoming one of those holy rollers or something. They'd never been to church. They didn't understand this. But she says, as time went on, my mother came, my father came, my brothers came, my family came, and before long, my entire family came to church. And it had changed our entire household. And today... This lady has influenced many people. She lives out of state. She has influenced many people she works with. She tells them about Jesus Christ. All because somebody pointed her to Jesus. All because somebody invited her to ride a bus. And that simple bus ride not only changed the trajectory of her life, but her family's life and so many other people's lives. You'll never know the impact that you'll have when you bring people to Jesus, when you point them to you, you'll never know the impact. We'll never know that impact until one day in heaven. And I believe we'll know the impact then of those kids that you taught in Sunday school, that bus you drove, of that coworker you reached out to. And you might've lost track of them over the years and didn't really know what happened. But one day we will, one day we'll know the impact When Jesus comes to town, when Jesus comes to a home, when Jesus comes to a life, things change. How does Jesus come into our lives? We don't have to do anything extraordinary. He already did that for us on the cross. When he died for the sins of the world, died for the sins of you and I. So that he could pay the price for sin. And it's such a simple thing. You know, the Bible says it's as simple as getting a drink of water. It's such a simple thing to come to Christ. And in a moment, we're going to give an invitation. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, it's today we're inviting you to come forward. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything. We're going to simply pray with you. You know, there's a verse in Romans 10, 13. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a simple thing. You believe in your heart that Jesus is God. Profess it with your mouth. Salvation can come. Jesus can come into your life and change your life. Let's pray. Dear only Father, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you came to my life. Lord, I'm so thankful that you came to this city to this nation and this world Lord those four men there was nothing there was no one else they could go to but you Lord there's many times in our lives that there is nothing else no one else that we can go to but you and the thing that Lord gives us so much encouragement is that you're always there you never take a vacation from us You never leave us high and dry Lord, when we need you, your hand is outstretched, waiting for us. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. In your precious name, we pray. Amen.
0: I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word you, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, we accept Jesus as our savior and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, Just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer, dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son and you came and lived a perfect life and you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer,